Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning and welcome to 3CR's Spoken Word. My name is Ella Fanelska and my co-host today is Santo Katsati. Good morning to you on Community Radio 3CR. And our special guest in the studio this morning is Lauren Steinberg. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, I've asked you to come in because I find when you deliver your poetry, it is just has such a gentle nature about it. It's so understated, but your content, it just pulls no punches at all. Oh, thanks. So let's just get straight into it, shall we? This poem was written as part of the Sound and Found Poetry Project uh, in Footscray with about seven poets and musicians collaborating on different tracks and poetry together, and we all wrote different things relating to the Western suburbs. And uh, This is one of the things that ended up coming out of that that I wrote. Sometimes at night, wandering around Footscray, I look up at power lines and laugh. Sometimes people I couldn't see in the dark start looking up too to see what I'm seeing, and sometimes they just cross the street to avoid me. I can't really blame them. I'd probably be nervous too if I weren't standing around in the dark laughing like, well, anything could happen. Crazy laughing women in the dark in Footscray. Mostly it's just that I saw a really fat possum, overhanging the power lines on all sides and staring back like it can make me stop seeing it if it just looks confused enough. Possums always seem to think they're invisible and are so shocked and confused when they find out they're not. It's funny, all right? It's funny to me. And just because I'm crazy doesn't mean I'm wrong to be laughing. Take it where you can. It's good for you. Sometimes during the day when I walk around Footscray, I whistle at interesting-looking birds. I can't possibly be the first. There's certainly enough people whistling and worse. At least the birds I whistle at might return it, and bird is not just a really stupid word describing women. Mostly, though, they just tilt their heads and shrug their wings like, what the hell are you doing? Sometimes, when I get overly involved in thinking about a conversation I could at some point be having, feeling in the blanks for the person I imagine having with it, having it with, I mm in agreement with their theoretical position on whatever issue and nod while I walk, gesturing with my hands as if explaining something overly complicated, look up and realise I'm not alone. And people are looking at me the way birds do when you whistle at them. And I am looking back like a surprised possum in the dark. And I have to remember not to start laughing. And that stopping to explain is just going to make it worse. So I keep walking a little faster now. Any spring in my step becoming more of a skip with a hint of sprint. And know from the outside looking in, I probably look crazy. Which I am. But not in a bad way. It's just... I'm one of those people you see wandering around Footscray mumbling to themselves, just quietly. And we're pretty harmless, really. Get a little wound up, but that's about it. One time, though, I just woke up angry, really furious, didn't know what to do with this weirdly disconnected mood. So I invited someone over and we drank all the booze. And then went walking to get more, thinking if I could just have a drink, I could calm down or get some perspective or write something new. This was a while back, an early evening in Footscray was pretty deserted, shops all shuttered and coals was being refurbished, barely any traffic and one lone plastic bag tumbleweeding its way down Barclay Street. On the way I discovered it was contagious. 
A few other people in Footscray had somehow caught the same rage. One guy was just shouting and air-kicking away at a picture of vegetables like corn and lettuce just made him really angry. Someone else took offence at something a postbox did and was screaming and swearing and standing over it. Like, screw you, postbox, everything is your fault. A couple more were spotted zigzagging their way around obstacles only their feet could see and randomly swearing and screaming. And that one lone plastic bag blew past like a sad movie prop after a really quiet apocalypse. And it was perfect. It was summer, daylight saving, so it was warm and still and light enough not to worry about dark places, and I realised I wasn't that angry, comparatively. The walls and window adverts and post boxes had done nothing to me to deserve being kicked, but I saw the rage was catching and we're all wandering around sort of hurt and confused by this weird mood, and we were all crazy. I fit right in. Suddenly comfortable being crazy where I live. It's not the worst thing and I've lived other places and had worse days and never fit in like that before outside of a psych ward, which is the sort of fitting in I generally avoid, have done for years now. It's gotten to be or always has been. You can't take your crazy anywhere these days without having to take it home again before somebody tells on you for being really just a bit too unusual. But not here. Not always anyway. Sometimes people cross the street, it's true, even if you weren't really doing anything to hurt anyone, and sometimes they look too. Sometimes when you laugh in the street after dark and somebody sees you, they start laughing too. And everything is all good, because possums are funny, and it's 1am, and really, what's the worst it could possibly do? You are listening to 3CR's Spoken Word, and our guest in the studio this morning is Lauren Steinberg. That was so awesome. With pieces like that, uh, you really show that you like take us on a, a trip wherever you're going, and I feel like not only that, but like a journey of your mind, like of your thought process. You know, when you're going on that journey, and I, I wanted to ask you, what um, element of like a sense of location um, does that does location play in your poetry? Um, I think for that one and a couple of others, it was very much about where I live because that was the nature of the project as well. And Footscray is really easy to write about. There's always something really odd going on or a giant factory fire or something to keep us entertained and able to write. And, you know, that's fun, I guess. Well, probably not the fire, but um, other things in Footscray are fascinating. And what do you, what role do you think Footscray is playing in the poetry scene at the moment? Um, I think it's becoming a very, very big poetry scene. A lot of poets have been moving there just because it's more affordable. But then there's like three or four regular readings, including like The Night Heron and Sloth is more all art but has a lot of poetry in it. And there's so many people becoming poets that I've met all through Footscray that it's kind of becoming a really good community just in the West, I think. So let's hear some more, Lauren. Cool. This is Mood Swings, which is one of the only ones I've had published. You fall, like a slinky tumbling artfully down the stairs, hitting the floor and springing for the ceiling, full of ballistic glitter, which never happens but should. You fall, like a slow dancer's clothes on a hot night to a dark room, drift downwards. You fall, like a large flat leaf on a cold day in a spinning zephyr, not quite hovering. You fall like a damp towel around a wet waist when you think you're alone to let gravity peel it away. You fall like everything falls, and then you fly. You fly like nothing. 
Mm, so beautiful and dealing with um, you know content like that's um, mm. you know said in the in the title that says it all. Could I ask where that was published? Uh, it was in uh, page seventeen years ago. Um, Busy Bird poetry competition thingy that they do. It was fun. It's one of the only ones I've entered and also one of the only ones I got a thing published in. So that's fun. And I got money, which never happens. (laughs) Nice. Awesome. Um, That leads into me wanting to ask you, what role does poetry play for you in your mental health? Like, do you find it to be a solace or more of a cathartic um, Um, practice? I'm never entirely sure. It used to be when I started, it was very much about catharsis and finding the right way to process something and you know if you're crazy you do tend to churn thoughts around until you've really crystallized them which is handy for poetry uh but now I think it's more the other way around I think poetry is a good way of talking about mental health and making sure it's in conversation with people so that more people can talk about mental health rather than as a way to comfort myself it's more just to make more people aware that it's a thing that should be talked about normally. Yeah, great. So in that way, you're sort of saying it can be a form of de-stigmatising. Yeah. Yeah, wonderful. Awesome. Okay, well, I think um, I might just butt in here. Uh, Lauren, I'm very impressed with the the fact that the two poems that you read today on the program so far, one was really quite long and stream of consciousness, sort of thoughts running together, almost like um, in a speech, in a prose even. And then the last poem that you did there was actually much more what people would conventionally see as poetry because it was more condensed uh, and it was certainly a lot shorter. Uh, I, I do find that very impressive. And I see in front of you there you've got... Uh, a very interesting-looking poem that's even shorter. Uh, and I know this is no, uh, not a visual medium. We're on radio, but um, the words are kind of like spread out uh, over the page with a lot of white on the page, and I'm sure the green movement will hate us for wasting paper in this way. Um, and could you read that poem anyway? Yeah. Um, and I don't know how you can possibly do justice to what's on the page, but at least we can hear the words spaced out in some kind of way. Yes, sure thing. Today, a bee, stilled in an nasturtium, rose, flew, lived, right in front of me. It did exactly what bees do, exactly what bees are supposed to, caught in the act before vanishing. Today, a completely ordinary thing happened, just like they almost never do. I'm listening for the sounds that soften, the music that liquefies, the lyrics that frame and encapsulate, 
the song that makes these feelings safe. Like a clump of weeds caught in my throat, I can't swallow this. I'm looking for the right sounds to help me get this down. Move on, move through. Digest these things before they fossilize, becoming stone stuck mid-swallow. It is catching. I will petrify like this. Must find the music. I'm listening through street sounds and birds, through pages turning and overheard murmurs. I'm listening for the right notes, the right words. Shoes scrape, cars backfire, light shines silent, sun sinks. I am listening. The dew falls and the hush rises. I am listening. Hum a soft note. A word murmured to drain the tension away. I am listening for the song that helps to shape this ache. Wear away the stone in my throat and let this feeling evaporate. I am listening. I am listening as hard as I can. You are listening to 3CR's Spoken Word. Uh, my name is Ella Fornelska and our poet in the studio this morning is Lauren Steinberg. Um, Lauren, I just want to say that line, um, the music that liquefies, so beautiful. Oh, thanks. Could I just ask what inspired that piece? I think I was having a hard time writing anything that day and I was in a very foul mood. And it is sometimes good when you can't think of something to write immediately, but you have deadlines and other reasons that you need to do something to sit outside and just try to hear what's going on around you until something strikes you or until a thought does. And the foul mood and the sitting there quietly did seem to come together in a good way. So, And do you think that music does play any form in your craft? Yeah, definitely. Uh, some of the faster poems that I write are probably written having listened to hip-hop way too much. Um, and it's also... Music is very, very good at capturing an emotion without words. Listening to that can help you find the right words to go with that, though. I did have a bit of an obsession with poems about listening and silence for around about six months, so I have got another one. It's also about Footscray, so they kind of tie together sometimes. This is The Silence That Listens. It's the kind of silence that isn't. Not an inhalation of noise, not an exhalation of patience. It drifts through windows and listens to you as you try not to drop the teaspoon too loudly into the sink after stirring. First thing in the morning when everyone is sleeping, hands slip and your cups break. It listens to you as you mumble to yourself all the criticisms you save for private clumsiness. It listens when the train runs past your house, whistling its revenge on the night, and sometimes you miss it because you live here. Familiarity breeding a sort of selective deafness. It is listening to fingers tapping keys, footsteps limping, limping in the street, birds rustling and proclaiming their territory in the trees, eaves, bushes and power lines, like a procession of feathered sounds circling the silence for punctuation. It is in the spaces between the breeze and the gust in the wind, in the fights between possums and fruit bats all summer and the thundering footsteps of night creatures over tin roofs, the squeal of brakes the wheels of bins on Thursday nights and Friday mornings, and the birds, they know your bad taste in music better than you do, can impersonate any note you care to hum and are quite possibly mocking you. This silence isn't waiting. It isn't patient, urgent or hungry. It is the silence of a thousand sounds winding through each other, screaming outside coals and all over Paisley Street, shouting their news and who owes who money on Nicholson, the hissing of the mist rocks and coffee steamers, the slow whine and grind of freight trains snaking through Footscray Station and the machinery of the container port, bouncing off the river in the dark, 
when the hum of the west drops into a light sleep and sometimes screams from nightmares, sometimes snores with a sound like a buzzsaw, filling in potholes or cleaning the streets or welding something to something on the tracks winding through here, spreading out, dissipating in the night air and condensing in the morning, one big spreading pool of sound. That is the only silence you get here. Never an absence of noise, but the acclimatization and incorporation until it is part of you, and you another flowing current in the pool as it spreads to become ocean. Unaware and unthinking, we are a drop in it. The silence that listens. The silence that isn't. Community Radio 3CR. This is the spoken word program being presented to you today by me, Santo Katsati, and uh, also my co-presenter, Ella Fornalska, our studio guest, Lauren Steinberg. And, uh, well, let's have some more poetry from you, Lauren. Thanks, Santo. This one's a tiny bit snarky. You know you're a bit lost when you're surrounded by people modelling self-confidence, best foot forward. Like everyone has a t-shirt picked out with the words, I got this, and you aren't sure. Can't catch a set of keys, but always make contact, fumbling like you'll get there one day, best foot forward. But not when people are looking. Not when you're wherever you are now, but your friends, man, they know. Everything works fine for them, best foot forward, and no one admits to shortness of breath or accidents. No one fails, no one falls down, best foot forward. You trip upstairs, trying to make it look intentional. You crashed on purpose, secretly always afraid they'll know. Tell all your friends of your ongoing success, best foot for. Like it's a competition. Like you don't have imposter syndrome, like you aren't lost. But you are, and so are they. Thinking the world's only interested in your best self or nothing. You don't know what your best foot is. Throw everything forward and throw up a smokescreen, securing the knowledge it's what everyone is doing. You know you're lost when you can recognise this, but not yourself, not anymore. Best foot forward. So yet again, we see your diversity. Like we see that, you know, you, you can be really playful, but you can be really serious. And the forms that you take, so the concrete poetry, the more condensed pieces, and as Santo said, the more sort of longer um, meandering stream of consciousness. I love that. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about uh, where the process was where you when you wrote that piece? Um, so on a semi-regular basis, uh, Steve Smart, George O'Hara and I, we all live together, we'll get together with music and probably alcohol, music that George has made, and write frantically to whatever it is. And usually everyone ends up with the same mood in their poem as a result of the music that we're all listening to at the same time. That one didn't quite fit with anything else that happened that particular night, but it did end up getting edited into something that could stand alone pretty well. I think it's from the Temporary Adults project that we did a while back. We still work together a lot on different tracks that haven't turned into another show yet. (laughs) And do you enjoy that collaborative process? Very much. It's a lot of fun. And you get weird coincidences like uh, George 
almost never tells us the name of the tracks that he's playing us. But once we had a huge group of people around all trying it once just for fun, every single one of us wrote something involving water and turned out the track was called Underwater Daughter and we were like, oh, well, that's weird synchronicity. It kind of works. Um, so it's, it is a lot of fun and you find weird things and then you start editing them together in weird ways and... I don't know. It's a really good way to write sometimes in a group. Yeah, fantastic. Lauren, there's been a lot of mention of George O'Hara in the last couple of minutes. Um, I I should point out that George O'Hara is one of the team here at 3CR Spoken Word, uh, but uh, he couldn't quite get himself here on a Thursday morning at 9am. Either he's working or he's sleeping. I'm not really quite sure, and we need not delve into that further. But George, wherever you are, we are speaking ill of you. Um, George uh, is, of course, uh, as Lauren referred to just a, a few minutes ago, um, uh, quite multi-talented. There's music there. There's a lot of like recording technology and stuff like that, collaboration with poets. Uh, and George actually also has a role in the gig that we mentioned very fleetingly about 20 minutes ago, uh, the Night Heron in Footscray. And Lauren is the uh, the convener of this gig at the Night Heron. And I'll just quickly uh, brush over George as fast as possible before we talk about the more gutsy thing, which is the gig. Uh, George, he, he does the tech for the, the, the gig and he records people and then he, he turns it into really weird, crazy stuff that gets broadcast on 3CR on a Thursday morning at 9am. Uh, and people's voices get distorted and a whole lot of other things get distorted. But I want to ask you, Lauren, about the actual gig, The Night Heron. Every poetry gig seems to have its own particular atmosphere and its own particular aesthetic, and yours definitely does have that. It's been going for well over a year now, and I love going to it. But um, can you uh, essentially tell the listeners about the gig, what what is different about it, and what happens? Uh, Sure. Um, I think, well... A lot of poetry gigs do have themes, so that wasn't a standalone moment, and a lot of poetry gigs do encourage people to read poets other than themselves, so that wasn't entirely a standalone thing either, although we have both of those. The big difference is probably the music that George writes each month on the theme and uh, getting everybody at the end of the night to write or just improv two lines relating to the theme in time to the music, which we say we remix later in the week and then put online, but actually we don't. We tend to put it up straight unless somebody actually screams really loudly into the microphone, in which case we tend to have to lower that down a little bit. They do scream sometimes. People get very strange in that one. I've got uh, 13 minutes of you playing piano somewhere (laughs) on my computer, I think. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> from um, that gig so. see, see this all happens very very late in the evening when people have had a great deal to drink and you know and I've I have since learnt that, you know, booze and piano playing don't go together. Poetry, yes, but not piano playing. I that, think you and George might have been playing at the exact same time on the same piano together, which <laughs> could have added to the Maelstrom. There is documentary <laughs> evidence of this, not only of an oral nature, but uh, of a visual nature on Facebook. Um, it is actually, uh, there are many, many things about the gig that I like. You know, the quality of the poetry, you always get two very interesting features, the way they, they do respond to the themes, all those things are great. It's a very good atmosphere out there, it's a very good bar, which I'll, I'll get you to tell me a little bit about, but I just want to very quickly put the little plug in for George and the little thing that we do at the end where people just have to get up and say whatever comes into their minds while this music is playing, that that is unique. I mean, I'm sure someone else in the world is doing it somewhere, you know, in Portland, Oregon or Bristol, UK. But anyway, it's unique within my my terms of reference. It's a lot of fun to do. I love seeing what people come out with. It's so strange sometimes. 
Yeah. And sometimes when you get up on the mic, you don't even know what you're going to do. Like I remember when um, I got on, there was some German that kind of came out just out of nowhere. Ah, yes. I yes. remember that one. Yes, that's, that's a good right. recording. Yes, yes. Uh, it's a really friendly bar with really friendly bar staff, a gorgeous beer garden, and they're just really supportive and nice in there. That's the Night Heron in Footscray, and uh, it's on the second Tuesday of every month in the evening, and uh, you can find details about where exactly in Footscray it is uh, and what's happening at each monthly gig by going on to melbournespokenword.com. All the other gigs can be found there as well, melbournespokenword.com. Anyway, Lauren, uh, we're running out of time here, and there's uh, one poem that I think you really, really want to have people listen to. I am not who I was, or any of the people I have been, but the way my memory folds itself like the magic box rose I made once while obsessed with origami. So many shapes and interpretations of what started out as just a few sheets of paper. Never could puzzle that one out again. This landscape made of paper, of fabrics, of skin, some like leather, so much singed or slightly melted, I used to like burning holes in all my things, used to think it made me look more dangerous. All the tears and safety pins. Commando crawling across the school oval when I was a kid, my best friend and I dodging furious birds. We had climbed their tree because it was perfect. Missed the lunch bell, crawled back, keeping low to avoid their swooping. That tree was out of bounds, sweating sap, sticky, low-lying branches, all within easy reach. In hindsight, it was worth it, even in memory, too hard to resist. I'm not who I was, but all the people I've been. Gritting my teeth through the instinct to live and the will to die, balanced on a shard of glass, used to love how unpredictable the cuts would be. Used to hurt to inhale, sitting up all night, like if you don't count every second blinking into the dark, you'll forget to breathe and be dead by morning. All the things I did and didn't. All patches stitched together like my skin used to be. That one time I got carried away with the Xanax and the razor blade and nearly died, the aftertaste of chemicals stuck to the back of my throat. Thoughts flavoured for years. Asking for cigarettes on the side of the street, mad, vicious, feral, mentally ill, wearing all of my clothes at once for security, smoking everything, down to nothing but burnt fingers, the taste of ash on my lips. Begging for loose change, frightened of mirrors, seeing my reflection as broken as I believed myself to be. A landscape in memory, where glass at the right distance becomes sequence. I am moving, walking away from someone who will drag me down with him, feeling like I've left a drowning man, waving to the shore, turn my back, must get out of here, left him behind, left homeless, left furious and violent and desperately threatening. You don't scare me anymore. Need is a lie you tell yourself to excuse not trying, the sound of my boots on the pavement, the hunch of my back turned, expecting another blow to fall, the taste of salt, the smell of skin stinging and detail. I am getting into university, certain I don't deserve it, don't belong, and that everyone can see this, too old to be just out of high school, barely went to high school, trying to keep up like a little kid with a long-legged family, always chasing and not quite catching, permanently nervous, not talking till words burst and all my stories spill at once, loving the luxury of learning for its own sake, the smell of wax lecture halls and fresh photocopies. I am living alone, picking up hobbies like dust motes, fall, yoga, gardening, baking, sewing, back to origami, I was terrible at them all. I wanted to know what I could learn on my own. Years later, it was enough. I'm not who I was. I am everyone and everywhere I've been. Leaving a city that scraped against scars every day with memories to grieve on every street. Seeing a fresh start only to realise I brought my skin with me, giving myself a new ground to walk my way into someone else. 
stitching my pieces back together, slowly building a better story, my mind a landscape of memories and identities, shedding sheets of paper, demanding a better ending, changing my perspective and tightening up my stories and editing. I haven't reached an ending. You have been listening to 3CR's Spoken Word. Uh, We have approached the end of our program this morning. I would like to thank my co-host, Santo Katsati. It's always a joy co-presenting, Santo. A lot of fun. Thank you very much, Ella. And especially thank you to Lauren Steinberg, our talented poet this morning. Thanks very much for having me, both of you. You're very welcome. Uh, So we will just let you know, um, listening audience out there and bedroom poets, that if you want to uh, get your work out there, please jump on an open mic. They're happening all the time. If you want to find out more, as we've said previously, uh, go onto the Googles and find Melbourne Spoken Word or it is www.melbournespokenword.com where you can find all the details. You can catch us every Thursday morning at 9 a.m., on 3CR and if you want to catch some of our past episodes please go and find them on our podcast and also just find that at the 3CR website. Mm-hmm.